0: Hello, I'm Meredith Harper. Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black, a podcast where I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument, because musicians are so cool, and I wanted to be Hi listeners. Well, I promise you a special guest for the last episode. Surprise, it's me! (laughs) I figured my story was long overdue, so I asked my friend and fellow ukulele podcaster Cameron Murray to interview me. It was a bit weird to be on the other side of the microphone, but I really enjoyed it. I play a couple of songs, including a new original. I wasn't entirely happy with either performance, and I could have re-recorded them, but... That felt like cheating, so you're stuck with what I played on the day, warts and all. Hope you enjoy. Ukulele
1: player, please introduce yourself.
0: Thank you, Cameron. I'm Meredith Harper, and I play the ukulele.
1: (laughs) You do. I've seen you do it. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so cool Uh,
0: being on this side.
1: (laughs) It's a strange feeling. I, I. when you interviewed me, it was very strange. And it's been strange when other people have interviewed me as well because you really do have to think about what the ukulele does mean to you.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, yeah. it's it's quite tricky to put into words sometimes. So,
0: yes, yeah, you're getting a taste yeah. of your own medicine. <laughs> That's right, I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to, to go back in time and start with your musical background. Can you yes. tell us a bit about that? Because um, you have told me in the past that you've tried other instruments before coming to the ukulele. That's right. So what uh, other instruments did you try and why didn't they stick?
0: (laughs) Well, when I was at school, I probably would have been 10 or something, quite young, family friend. Now, I only have a vague memory of it, but she took me somewhere. I think it was the conservatorium in Sydney and I saw all these violins and she said I was transfixed and she said, oh, would you like to play them? And I said, yes, but I think I was just being polite. Anyway, she produced this violin and said, here you go. And I thought, oh, okay, thank you. but I did play it for a few years and my mother was you know she said the bad thing is I was just starting to get good at it when I decided I didn't want to play it anymore um and I just found I mean it was I enjoyed I guess being musical but one of the things you find with the violin is you have to actually hold it up. And I'm, you can see me, hold, my listeners can't, but you can see me. And you've got to have that arm nice up and straight and bold and playing. And I would just get my lessons and, go, oh. and the arm would just start to droop. And the teacher would be there going, up, 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 push it up, push it up, push it up. And I just, got, I just thought, no, this is just too hard. But I did say to my mother, but I, I like the music. So I said, I would like to learn piano. And so she got a piano. Nice old one, but worked. And I did piano for a few years and I did enjoy it. But I think then, you know, you get to teenage years when other things are more important than making music. But the piano sort of came back when I was in my early 20s. I thought, yeah, I'm going to get back to the piano. And I bought a piano, which I still have, I might add, Um, had a few lessons, then kind of, you know, drifted off. And I've never really learned to play it properly, but I do have it. And it's a delightful piece of furniture. Um, (laughs) But I think I'd always wanted to sing. And even, you know, we all have the teenage um, fantasy. My teenage fantasy was major pop star and me singing out the front of a band. That was always the fantasy then. And I really didn't, you know, I could kind of hold a tune, but I wasn't that good at singing. But you think, oh, that's never going to happen. And that dream drifts off, but it never really went away. And I came back to music, I guess it was after I moved to Canberra, probably seven, eight years ago now. I was looking for things to do because I came here, you know, single, really didn't know a lot of people. And one of the things that was advertised I saw on um, Canberra Times was a thing called Sunday Assembly. Now, for those who have never heard of Sunday Assembly, which is probably many, it was a thing which was devised by a couple of comedians in the UK who said they used to love going to church when they were young and they loved, you know, the, 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 the community, the singing, all that stuff. But they were atheists, and so that was no longer open to them. Well, I guess technically was, but who wants to do that? <laughs> and they thought, well, why not? Let's make a thing, which is like church without the religion. And so they started this up in Canberra, and I heard and I thought that sounds awesome because yeah, my whole, I guess my whole social life when I was a teenager was church. That was what it is. We all went there, we all hung out. But you know, when you sort of lose that that belief, it seems a bit pointless to go. So I went along to Sunday assembly. And I even stuck up my hand and said, yeah, I'm going to be on this organising committee. It's fantastic. And for three years, actually, we did it did work, and it kind of fizzled out. But one of the big things with that, of course, was the music. So rather than the three hymns you sing in a church service, they would have three pop songs, which we would have sort of um, theme them around. We have a theme each month, and then we would pick songs to fit that theme. So at first, they said, well, we need a choir. So okay, so about eight of us said, yep, we'll be in the choir, and... Of course, we realized then we needed people to play some instruments. And so we had a guitarist. We had a few people. And I found during that, at first I was happy just to kind of hide at the back and kind of sing a little bit. But then as I got a bit more confident, eventually I kind of, you know, I, I was able to actually sing some lead and I was really enjoying the singing, but I still, it was still just me singing. And I tried to get together with some of the other people to say, let's let's make a band. It'd be great fun. They say, yeah, yeah, but they were too busy. So that just didn't happen. I thought, all right, well, I need to play something. Also, as part of this, I thought just generally I wanted to play something because when you sing a lot of harmony, which I did at the time, you spend a lot of time standing there doing nothing which is why I thought, oh, harmonica. That's something which I could, you know, a bit of harmonica, a bit of singing. So I actually got the harmonica and I went along to some lessons. I had A community college had lessons. And, of course, the teacher there said, ha, huh, Meredith Harper. Yeah, well, you'll be good. <laughs> 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 um, but I just bought myself the proof of concept harmonica. It cost me $10, all right. And we sat down there in that lesson and he said to me, oh, well, that's terrible. That's not going to make a good sound. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait to see if I like it before I buy the good one. Fair but no, the whole entire listen, this whole hour or two, or however it was, every time I had a problem, he just said, well, that's because you've got a terrible harmonica, all the way through. And at the end, I just thought, oh, I just didn't want to go back. And I didn't. I never went back because I just thought that was just rude. And then I did also have a guitar. My, my brother, he, he died, oh, must be 15 years ago now. And he had guitars. And I inherited them and I'd stuck them in a wardrobe. And I thought, okay, Tim wouldn't want me to have those guitars just lying around. He was left-handed, but there was one which was kind of, you know, i switched switch the strings over so for a right-handed person, and I tried to play it, and it was, it was a nice guitar. It was a um, Martin Backpacker guitar, if anyone yeah. knows about such things. Steel strings. Ow. Mm, <laughs> but cheese, I
1: just, cheese-traded. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: right. I, I stuck with it for a few weeks, and I just thought, no, it's too hard. It hurts my fingers. I don't like it. I can't do it. And then... Those who know my theme tune know what happens next. So I was in the shop. <laughs> it was a secondhand shop. Um, for those in Canberra, it's the green shed. There's one in the city which has the, the better secondhand stuff. And there was a little white ukulele, which was a Mahalo secondhand. It was terrible. And someone had messed around with the action. It was, it was too low. And it actually, you couldn't play an F. It was hopeless. Uh, but I bought it. it. cost me 30 bucks. way too much in retrospect. But I bought that. And while it wasn't a very good ukulele, I could tell that if I had a good one, I would absolutely be able to play it and I'd be able to play it well. And so, yeah, and so a little while later I went back and got myself a decent carla, which I still have, still got my number one ukulele, and, and the rest is history, as they say.
1: <laughs> well, after you got that uke then, what was your first introduction to the ukulele scene? Did you go to a club or a festival? What happened?
0: Yeah, so... When I first got it, I thought, I need to get some lessons. And so I looked – actually, the same community college that did the harmonica lessons, would you believe (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> I looked there as well um, and I had lessons there and that was with the teacher was Michael Rosenberg and Michael Rosenberg who was actually featured in my very first episode because he was my teacher he is one of the um, organizers of the Ukulele Republic of Canberra which is a, probably the biggest ukulele group in Canberra once I'd finished that series of six lessons I thought well it made sense to go off to UROC and start to hang out with the people there and then and that's when I discovered I thought oh I haven't just got an instrument here, have I? I have a community now, and and yet yeah, and it started from there. And I discovered all the groups, and then that started to move on to the festivals after that.
1: Yeah, which is uh, where I met you. I think was it? Yes, was it the first uh, Central, time at a festival? Central at the Coast, the Central Coast, I believe it was.
0: Probably was, yes.
1: And as I've talked about before on my podcast and in writing, you know, there's such amazing things. Ukulele festivals, they're just a. Uh, a whole other world really um them, do you Cameron,
0: i really miss them
1: <laughs> i know we all miss them don't we yeah i can't wait till they come back really can't um i was booked in for central coast speaking of central coast but uh, um, yeah, that was put off again yeah of course um what's your favorite festival memory is there one you can oh, man, pin it down on
0: that's a good question Central Coast, I guess, is probably my – I shouldn't say it's my favourite festival because I love Blue Mountains as well. How do you choose? How really do you choose?
1: (laughs) Choose the memory, not the festival.
0: (laughs) That's right. My favourite memory. One of the things I really enjoyed um, was Central Coast – where I was, because um, the thing I like about Central Coast is it's unlike, Blue Mountains is gr- good, but it's all over the place. So you go to all different rooms, different buildings, and I was there once when it was raining, and that really wasn't fun. You get a lot get wet moving around back and forth. But Central Coast is just everything in one spot. And the thing I love about it is you, you stay in the hotel there, so um, you never really need to leave the place at all. And I think you tend to mingle a lot better with people there just because we're all basically in one giant room. Hmm. And I did enjoy um, hearing um, Ahana playing that one morning when I was there. And I just went up afterwards and said to uh, Adma I said, just said, look, oh, do you want to do an interview? And he said, sure. And then we just went off to my hotel room and, and did it. And I thought it was just <laughs> so cool. Um, normally I go to such a lot of trouble to organize all these things in advance, but that was just, it just happened. And hmm. that was really, really good. Yeah, enjoyed that.
1: Well, that leads beautifully into my next question is uh, what made you want to start a ukulele podcast?
0: Oh, my God. Such craziness. Why on earth did I make <laughs> this decision? Um, look, I love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts um, since podcasts were podcasts, I think. It's been a very long time. I used to do a lot since of- Just long- before they were cool. Before they were cool. That's right. I discovered them probably well over 10 years ago, I discovered them. And I used to do a lot of long drives. Uh, My son, who now lives with him here in Canberra, used to live with his father in the Blue Mountains, which is a three hour drive from here. And I would go and go there and pick him up, bring him here for the weekend. And then I would drive him back and then drive myself back. So that was a lot of driving on a weekend. So I listened to a lot of podcasts and. I was driving a few times thinking, I'd love to make a podcast. I feel that I should be giving back. I listen to so many. They're all free. I just thought, I'd love to make one, but what would I make it about, you know? And I thought, well, ukulele, I guess, has to be the obvious thing. But then mm. I thought, well, at the time, I'd probably only been playing for a year or two. I was no, by no means an expert player. I thought, well, I can't make a podcast about how to play because everyone listening probably know more than I do. And then I thought, well, I could make it about the people who play the ukulele. And that made sense. And yeah, I well, knew nothing about making podcasts. Absolutely nothing. It's <laughs> highly learned by you know, trial and error. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. Um, you've done an incredible job. You really have. Thank you. Um, three seasons now.
0: This is the fourth.
1: This is the fourth. Yes, well, there you go. The fourth. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what the other podcast you're listening to, what did you listen to on those long drives? Was it the typical true crime murder
0: I actually don't like the true crime. <laughs> ah. so there's a few podcasts. Now, the, probably the one I started listening to originally and still listened to until a month ago when they actually it actually finally ended was a, a podcast called Answer Me This, which is kind of a, I guess it's a comedy answer. You know, people have questions and they answer it. And it's it's just kind of, it's one of those ones where you get to know the presenters and you kind of feel like you're home when you listen to it.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: I think I also started, we you know, with all the stuff you should know and those ones which were probably the main ones back then. But now I have a bit of a, a bit of a mixture. Um, I do listen to some recap podcasts, which I quite like. I, I never watched The West Wing originally, and I've actually started watching it episode by episode, also with the recap podcast West Wing West Wing Weekly, which I can't say. And that's quite fun. I did the same thing with Veronica Mars. There's also a, mm. and also with with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Nice, I've been doing all of those, and they're quite wow. fun. I kind of do quite a few of the Australian news ones. The Chaser have a daily podcast now, which I really like. Dan Illich has one, which I enjoy, Irrational Fear. I must make sure I get the name in there, give him a plug. <laughs> <laughs> and I quite like some fiction podcasts too. There's one I love called The Amelia Project, which is just, I can't describe The Amelia Project really, but it's fiction and it's just its just fun and I, I really like to be transported somewhere else. I don't want mm. to be thinking about day-to-day. Mm. Mm. Yeah, true crime. I just find it depressing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough, I think. Well, now we've established that you have this fantastic podcast called You've Early is the New Black. Why stop now?
0: i would got to the point where it started to feel like hard work and I did it because I wanted to do it because I enjoyed doing it and it's just got to the point now I think, oh, my God, I'm going to find someone to interview and it's I don't want it to be me dreading it and hmm. and also the fact that I was I have never ever missed an episode that I I, I work out the schedule and I have never missed one every two weeks without fail. And I think the pressure that I guess, and that's totally my pressure I put on myself, there's no rule saying you have to do it every two weeks. But I thought, I know that if I don't do one every two weeks, then once you let it slip once, and Cameron, you probably relate to this, once Mm, you let it slip once, then you, well, okay, I survived that and it just starts to slip more and more. Um, And, yeah, and and I just found I I wasn't playing my ukulele anymore because I have a very busy day job. I've bought this new house now where I've got all kinds of renovating to do, and with all of that and making the podcast, I really just don't have time to sit down and make music, and yeah. that's kind of the point, isn't it? So
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah. So, look, I'm not saying that I won't ever have another episode. I probably will, but I'll, if I do, it'll just be because I feel like it and mm. not because a schedule tells me I have to do it.
1: That's a, a good policy, I think, yeah. and kind of the way I do it as well um, because yeah. it's very easy for Any creative pursuit to become a chore and to have all the life and fun sucked out of it.
0: (laughs) Exactly right.
1: Um, So, no, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my shambolic so called schedule. Yeah, (laughs) it was all a plan. (laughs) Um, Now, I'm sure all the episodes are special to you in some way, um, but are there any interviews that really stand out in your mind?
0: (sighs) Look, there are. Probably some of them were the ones I actually did because earlier this year when I was moving house, I actually had to do a couple of repeat episodes. I just thought, no, I don't have time, and I went back to season one. And there was the Mark and Jane Gelbart one, which I still love. Thought that was a really, really good episode. Um, there's a few others. One I did in New Zealand with with Snapper, that was great fun. And I, it was I remember it was a it was a day when they had um, there was a fire on top of a building. I think and it was there was smoke all of auckland was just full of smoke mm-hmm. and somehow he managed to get into the city through the smoke <laughs> to actually do the interview with me and he had his two giant banjos man those banjos are huge they weigh a ton but he dragged them all up and we just and it was just such fun I just love talking to snapper I could have just kept doing it all night it was He's it was great such fun. a
1: pro isn't
0: he he is he is <laughs> and look and look look they're all my babies every episode are my babies and I don't want really you want to pick them all out but and I'm sure of course there was the episode I did with you Cameron that was fantastic mm. yeah. well well
1: <laughs> thanks. <laughs>
0: it was back in season one. Generally, I, I didn't know what I was doing yet, but <laughs> but we did actually pretty well given that we we're sitting outside and I had a. Um, it wasn't the ideal recording area, but no, I think actually the sound was okay in the end.
1: It was yeah. good. Yeah, I think it sounded good. Um, from all the interviews you've done, then, is there a common theme or thread apart from the ukulele itself, of course?
0: Mm. Is there? the thing that struck me is like every single episode, that's always that last question, how has ukulele changed your life? And I really haven't had a lot of the answers the same. So in a, in a way, although the thread obviously is ukulele, I find the things we talk about tend to be quite different for each person. Mm-hmm. And and I, I really don't start with a, a defined list of questions. I have a Kind of, you know, dot point. But I tend to go, if I can see someone going off on a tangent, I think I'll follow that tangent because that makes it interesting because I don't want every episode to be the same. Mm. So I actually think that the common thread is ukulele and I don't think there is any other common thread. And I've done that deliberately so it's not Mm. boring.
1: Yeah, I think you've done that very well as well. Now, I know you said you don't rule out doing any more, but if you had to stop after one more person... Who would you choose?
0: Ah, now, Living or
1: dead, who would you interview?
0: <laughs> there is my bucket list person I would love to, and probably no one in, the, in this even know who, who she is, but Rebecca Sugar, um, <laughs> she plays ukulele. She created the Steven Universe series, which I absolutely love. I even have painted a Steven Universe ukulele. Wow. I painted it myself, and I would love to have her on the show, and partly because I think she's awesome, but also partly because my, my daughter hates ukulele. She hates the podcast. She has never listened to an episode, but she loves Stephen Universe, and she did say that if I had an interview with Rebecca Sugar, she would listen to it.
1: Well, there you go. I, I think you've got your your brief for the next episode, whenever it may be.
0: Yes, that's
1: uh, going to be well. Maybe that will be the last one, but you have to get her. Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, and look, Absolutely. you know, and if you know, if 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 Jake came and knocked on the door and said, "I want to be on your podcast," I wouldn't say no to him.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, would you like to give us a song?
0: I would. I would. Now, um, hang on. I shall grab my ukulele. So this is the the beloved Koaloha. Lovely. Course, which is my, my instrument of choice. It was hard work getting this. I had to drag it all the way back in an extra suitcase from um, from Hawaii. Where
1: well, you also spoke to Alan and Paul Okami right. of yes. Koaloha.
0: I think they are about the only people ever who didn't play anything on here because I said, can you play something? He a play. We don't play. <laughs> what? you play the factory and you don't play. <laughs>
1: well, I'll never forget when Alan Okami was meant to play at the Blue Mountains Uke Fest and then uh, he had a special spot lined up and he didn't turn up because he was too scared to play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he,
1: <laughs> so there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he actually just sat and noodled actually on this ukulele. He just sat and noodled on it while we talked. And he, <laughs> he, he sang me something without backing, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he said, no, we don't play. And I just thought that was really odd. <laughs> to have a ukulele factory and I'll play. Well,
1: they do make a nice ukulele, that's for sure. Oh,
0: it's beautiful. The song is um, If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. Now, it's a song that I like, but this is just one of those songs which has a really satisfying chord progression in it. And it sounds, it sounds like you're cleverer than you are when you play it. And I thought it'd be a nice one just to make people think I can actually play <laughs> other than just talk. So <laughs> let's give that one a crack. Go for it. you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well. In a castle dark, or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet, you know that ghost is me. I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost that you can't see If I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts could tell Just like a paperback novel The kind that drugstores sell When you reach the part where the heartaches come the hero would be me but heroes often fail you won't read that book again because the ending's just too hard to take i'd walk away like a movie star who gets burned in a three-way script to number two A movie queen to play the scene Of bringing all the good things out in me But for now love, let's be real I never thought I could act this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone and I just can't get it back could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell, just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well, in a castle dark, or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet, but stories always end, if you read. Between the lines, you'll know that I'm just trying to understand The feelings that you lack Never thought I could feel this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone and I just can't get it back Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I always like the sad and depressing songs.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a classic sad and depressing song.
0: It is. Um, (laughs) Oh, I should be near the microphone. Yes, it it is indeed a classic sad and depressing song.
1: Do you have any uh, memories attached to that song?
0: So one of my favourite musical artists is Jonathan Colton. Um, Most people don't know Jonathan Colton, but one of the things he did, well, People may have heard me mention the Joko Cruise, and that Joko in Joko Cruise is Jonathan Colton. So it's a fan cruise which I go on. I used to do it every year, but thanks, COVID. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And an album that he did a few years ago was called um, Some Guys, and this is where he did covers of a whole lot of 70s soft rock songs. And he did covers which were identical identical to the originals freakily identical and he kind of did it i guess it's an exercise to see if he could the only thing that sounds different is the fact that it's his voice and not whoever but that's one of the songs which he did on that one and i think after i went on it was would have been march 2019 i think yes after i went on that cruise when he played that and i realized oh i actually had the music after that i actually went to that's when i went to hawaii and bought that ukulele and i remember just sitting with with that that ukulele and just sort of playing around with that song and thinking man sounds good on the koaloa
1: <laughs> it does
0: <laughs> so yeah it's one of, one of the reasons i do really enjoy playing it
1: mm. well speaking of the dreaded covid uh, how has this pandemic had an impact on your oh. ukulele journey
0: yeah Good question. Look, a couple of things, really. Um, I guess as far as ukulele goes, I've played a whole lot less. I I find that I tended to play when I went to ukulele groups, um, festivals, because everyone's there and you play. When I didn't have those events happening, I just, just didn't kind of think to pick it up, and I just played it a whole lot less. But on the other hand, I think as far as the podcast goes, I... Before COVID, I'd always said, I don't want to do remote interviews. I like to be in the same room with the person. It's just better. I don't want to do it remotely. But of course, with COVID, I had no choice. And then when I started doing it, I thought, oh, actually, this is fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is and actually I, fine.
0: And it means that, you know, it opens up the world. There's so many more people you can talk to. And mm. so in that way, it was good. But um, yeah, I really do want to get back to playing more with people.
1: Mm. Mm. Do you have a, an all time favorite song? To sing and play. Oh, do
0: I? That is a hard one, actually, <laughs> because I very much depends on your mood, I think. And there are so That's many true. things that I like to play. And there's also the ones you play on your own and the ones that you play with other people. Mm. I think one of the songs I love playing with other people, and I do this with the, with the New Black House band, is um, the B-52s, Rome. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's such a great song. And, again, it has the very satisfying chord progression, which just kind of goes around in a circle and, oh, it's just, I just really love playing that song. But that's one that doesn't really work. You need other people with you. Mm. Um, it's got a lot of harmonies in it and you need a bit of percussion with it. So um, with other people, I love playing that song. On my own, though, I don't think I could pick one, but it'll always be a sad and depressing song. <laughs>
1: Do you have uh, many ukuleles in your collection to play these sad and depressing songs on?
0: I have six ukuleles. Mm-hmm. So you've already met the Koaloha. Yes. My second favourite one, which I do play quite a lot, is my bright orange Enya.
1: All right. Give us a strum, so we just so we can hear it.
0: It's probably out of tune because I tuned it weirdly with the. Um, oh, that's okay. With the with the K before.
1: Well, that's quite a sweet sound though.
0: It's nice. And I like it. Well, a couple of reasons. One, it's got a high G, which I don't have on the Koaloa. And sometimes you want a high G. You know, it hmm. depends what you're playing. Sometimes it just works better. It's also, it's weatherproof. And I bought it so I could throw it in my car and not worry about it. But I like it so much, I play it when I don't need a... a hmm. And the other thing, too, it's got these little um, inbuilt harmony effects on it. That's and cool. When you plug it in, you actually um, recharge it with a USB rather than having to fiddle around and change the stupid battery.
1: Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? it. Mm.
0: But it just has a really nice sound. And I think certainly in the new Black House band, I think only one of us doesn't have one of these. Mm. I think Jasmine was the first to get one. And then just slowly we've all just got them.
1: (laughs) It's often like a contagion, isn't it? (laughs) Especially in your groups.
0: <laughs> they sound fantastic. Um, yeah, as I say, you can throw it in your car and they're not that expensive. And, look, it's bright. Not only is the ukulele orange, it comes with an orange capo. Oh, I mean. It's perfect. It, what else do you want?
1: And it's orange and black, so it's per- absolutely perfect.
0: Of course, the funny thing about this orange <laughs> one is when I first got it, I put up a picture of it on our like little sort of band chat and Jim Croft has a black one. And he put a picture up of his black one, and he said, oh, so orange is the new black.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was clever, <laughs> very clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's two. I also have my original Carla, which, as I mentioned, is this little soprano Carla, which is, you know, it's a nice little ukulele. And I have my – I'll actually grab it for you just so you can, listeners can't see it, but I'll show it to you. Sure. Um, so this is the one which I painted, which is the ukulele. Oh, that's universe great. Ukulele. Um, I'm not very good at painting, so the paint is actually quite thick, and it was a cheap ukulele to start with, so it sounds terrible. But it looks amazing. It
1: looks lovely, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I also have my um, Cordoba, my, have my Cordoba tenor, which actually lives downstairs in my home office. So that if I want to pick it up, mm. I have a ukulele downstairs. And I've got another little black one there, which I bought a while ago, a little sort of Fender soprano, which I bought thinking that's really cool. And actually, to be honest, I haven't really played it yet. I'll have, to, I'll have to find some time to, to, to bond with it yet. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: Do you have any uh, dream ukes you'd like to get your hands on?
0: I would really like to get a long-necked soprano because I love to have a soprano. But the thing is, when you're like me, I often have to use a capo to get it in a key for singing. And when you have a normal soprano, you do kind of run out of neck mm. when you're using a capo. Mm. And it is kind of nice to do the fancy stuff. I know Koala, I have seen one of theirs. Um, they do them, yeah. But I would also, I'd love to get, I interviewed um, Aaron and Nicole from Beansprout a little while back. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get one of them, one actually, yeah. like, made out of, you know, the firewood or whatever. That would be awesome as well. Um, oh, look, there's always, there's so many ukuleles, isn't there?
1: There's always another one, yeah. yeah.
0: But a really good quality <laughs> soprano is on my list.
1: You wrote the theme tune, of course, for the podcast. Uh, and it's a great song. Do you plan to write any more? Maybe with I, the, the newfound time you have.
0: I have written another song. Oh you have? I have, and that's okay. going to be my second song I'm gonna play it for
1: you. Well, 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 hey. okay. Well we'll get to that very shortly. <laughs> okay. Just a, a couple more questions to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. well, so I have um, I do music lessons and obviously these has been on Zoom lately, so I'll give a plug to the Beck Taylor School of Music here in Canberra. So I do two lessons with them. I have sort of a package they do where I get two lessons a week. One of them's a singing lesson because I you know, always polish up the vocals. The other one is one which they call bandmates, where you get – they basically – you say you want to play with bandmates, and so they assemble you into bands. So we actually – it's a group lesson, so you actually learn as a band. So I'm – my one – there's me, obviously there's me. I mostly sing, and there's a, like a bass and a guitarist, and uh, we've got a saxophone player in ours. We never seem to be able to keep a drummer, though. But, of course, we were doing all these things on Zoom, and it's not the same. And we found that with the vocal lessons – that um, when we started doing them on Zoom during this latest lockdown, my teacher, she said to me, well, we can try and do the normal singing stuff, but do you want to write a song? I said, let's write a song. So, yeah, I have written the song and I will be playing it for you.
1: Okay. And has that given you the kind of zen
0: to write more? Yeah, it has. Um, Okay. Yeah, because I think I'd always thought I don't know how to write a – I don't know what to write about. That was always my thing. I don't know what to write about. And that was the main thing we worked on is, um, well, you know, have a a few – Exercises to get some ideas flowing for things to write about, and I had a whole page of ideas and thought, okay, maybe I do have things to write about. So, mm, I think
1: everyone's got got something to write about, and I think everyone should at least try and write a song, yeah, uh, in their ukulele or any kind of musical career because it's just so interesting.
0: It is it's an interesting
1: yeah. exercise, if nothing else, even if you only play it to yourself.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, you've written a lot of songs, haven't you?
1: I've written a few. Yeah, I've actually got a. Enough for another EP. So I've got five new songs that I plan to record very soon. Now, what do you enjoy doing when you're not playing the uke then? Because like so many of my Uh, ukulele friends, you know, uh, I I only see ukuleles.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, I am a bit of a nerd. So one of the things I do play is um, I like to play games. I like to do role-playing games, which is essentially like your Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. Haven't, hasn't meant to do it quite so much during lockdown, but it's a, it's a great thing because it's it's a game where everyone is actually physically in a room with dice and pencils and paper. It's very much a not computer thing, and that's actually what I like about it. I like the fact that it's it's real interaction with people, whereas you know I, I like you know I play stupid games on my iPad all the time, but it's you know it's not. I don't think that's healthy. I do it anyway, hmm. but I don't think it's healthy. <laughs> I guess outside ukulele. I mean, I do sing as well, so it's not all about. A lot of my music is not necessarily about ukulele at all, but that's still that's still ukulele adjacent, so so mm. that doesn't count. Um, and lately, really, I've been doing a lot of um, yeah because I bought a new house, which is definitely a fixer upper, mm. and I am trying to teach myself how to use an electric drill. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's not going so well, but um, yeah, look, <laughs> and and I like to fix up the garden. I have I have chickens out the back. So I'd like to yeah spend a bit of time with them got my cats and hmm. I watch far too much television. Well, don't we all.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> I also love to cook. Yeah. Yeah, love right. To to food. Right.
1: So that's a, yeah, I mean aside from the podcast you've got a lot going on. What oh, I do. What's, what sort of work do you do?
0: I work for a software company. It's an Australian software company and I am what they call a actually I just got a new title which is very fancy. I mm. am a senior industry pre-sales architect for government. Oh, that is, it's a mouthful. Is. No mm. one knows what that means, but obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I work with the sales team. I'm the person in the sales team who knows. I'm the product specialist. I know how to make the software work. Yeah. So I do software demonstrations, and when people send me the tenders saying, "Does it do this?" So I go through and answer, "Yes, it does this." No, it doesn't. That that kind of thing. Right. Um, so those software demonstrations during in my previous house during lockdown were very stressful because Mm. you have to appear professional. I'd be sitting there in my living room, which is all I had, with cats crawling over my keyboard, people walking in and out of the door, trying to do a um, professional presentation. It was very tricky.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anywhere in the world where you would like to go for a ukulele event?
0: Well, I mean, Hawaii is the obvious, isn't it?
1: Mm. Would you have I, been to.
0: I have, but not for but a ukulele yeah. event. I actually right. went there for personal reasons. I had a, a friend of mine uh, my, and her husband were renewing their vows, and that's why I went. I happened, Of course, I had to buy a ukulele while I was there. Of course. But I, I didn't really do anything ukulele related when I was there. Mm. But, oh, look, there's so many places I'd love to go. That's probably on the list, but I haven't travelled a lot anyway. Um, I have never really been to Europe. I've been to the UK briefly, um, but that was for my brother's funeral. That was not really a fun trip. Mm. All of Europe is somewhere I'd like to go. Mm. But I really would want to get back to Hawaii. I really, really do.
1: Yeah, you need to do that. <laughs> yes. Go to the, go to Roy Sakuma's ukulele Festival, well, which is now run by Craig Chi and Sarah Mizell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is in July every year. Right. So I think it'll be back next July. So maybe so. Yeah, get ready yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do the Kamaka tour, and I think they make a long neck as well, Kamaka. Yes. So you I, might I, get I did into the that.
0: Kamaka tour. Oh,
1: yeah. you did that. Yes. Okay, that, that's... I did
0: that and the Koaloha. And actually, I looked at the Kamaki, and they were beautiful, but they they didn't speak to me. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. It was could no, absolutely. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with it, but it just didn't. I didn't bond with it. Whereas yeah. the Koaloha, I just saw it and I just sat there and I had it for. And I just said, "You're not getting it back. This is mine now." Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the
1: thing with ukulele, isn't it? It's just so personal.
0: Yes, very much.
1: Mm. Which leads us to the final question.
0: Uh-oh. Oh, no, before that, I've got to, I've got to play my song.
1: Oh, yeah, well, let's, let's hear the original.
0: Yeah, so as I said before, this is with my singing teacher, and we sort of she said, okay, think of just two minutes, just go, write a whole lot of topics on a piece of paper. And then we picked one of those and said, right, go, write down things you could talk about with that. And it was really, really good. What this song is about is now I am single and I'm single by choice. It's one of these things where people they say, Oh, you're single, and I say, Yeah, I actually like being single. It works for me. And they say, Oh yeah, oh, but if you met the right person, and you think, I'm not it's not because, you know, if I wanted someone, I can get onto eHarmony and go and find someone. Not the point. And people just kind of they don't get that. And that's what this song is about. So this song is called One Heart Is Enough. think you are the expert on what happiness should be Wedding bells and holding hands until you're 93 I'm glad you found your path to love and that it works for you But what is good for me may not be what is good for you They say two hearts should beat as one, one heart's enough for me You might think there's something wrong, but I'm how I want to be. It doesn't bother me at all, why does it bother you? Are you threatened by diversity? Does it mean your love's not true? I'm not alone, I have my friends, my family is with me. I feel the warmth of all their love, but they let me be free. They say two hearts should beat as one, one heart's enough for me. You might think there's something wrong, but I'm how I wanna be. to fix me, my motor's running fine, my chakras are aligned, being single ain't a crime. They say two hearts should beat as one, one heart's enough for me. You might think there's something wrong, but I'm how I wanna be. They say too hearts should beat as one. One heart's enough for me. You might think there's something wrong, but I'm how I wanna be.
1: Fantastic! Thank you. That's a great song.
0: Oh yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And this is one I'm imagining to actually play with the band and make it. No, a bit, a bit bigger and ooh, rather mm. than just me and a ukulele. I think it, that's what it really needs. And, yes, yeah, so I'm just doing my default strum there because I haven't really figured out anything else yet, but um, I'm really happy with it. I'm happy with the sentiment and, um, yeah. Yeah, the l-
1: lyrics are uh, great. Thank you. Really yeah, well done.
0: I did actually have a friend once who he said to me it was almost like I was being selfish by not putting myself on the market because I was <laughs> depriving other people of me. And I thought no no (laughs) (laughs) it's right it stuck with me so yeah i I, I think i really needed to say it yeah
1: yeah and i bet you feel better for it
0: i do i do Mm. and now that this is because this is its debut on today's podcast and after this i'm going to go off and play it everywhere so
1: fantastic i've
0: been holding out for this podcast
1: (laughs) great well well thank you for playing it my pleasure finally then here it is
0: here it comes
1: How has the ukulele changed your life, Meredith Harper?
0: Oh, man, so many ways. Um, Look, quite a few things. It got me back into music. So I think, you know, as I said before, with Sunday Assembly, I was kind of getting around music. I was wanting to do stuff, but I just couldn't find a way to actually get something where I could play with other people, play in a band. That's what I wanted to do and I just couldn't find a way in and ukulele ended up being that way in. Once mm. I learned that and I found the people, then it all just, it all just happened and I can't – I think if I'd started playing guitar, I think I'd still be noodling in my living room. I don't think I would have found that community and that connection with other people if I had mm. been any other instrument. I also think if I tried to make a podcast about anything other than ukulele – I cannot imagine it being the success it has been, and I am so proud of what I've done with this podcast. It, it's been—it's been, it's been it awesome. Be. I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? It's been absolutely. Awesome. And I just can't think of any other topic that would have kept me going for four years and kept it, you know me creatively satisfied, and actually had people who paid money on Patreon to hear it. And I still can't believe that people, and thank you, patrons, it's been awesome, um, that people liked it that much that they're prepared to pay money for it. I think it's just incredible. And, yeah, I just don't think there's any other topic which I could have been had that passion about aside from ukulele. Mm. And it's just made me so many friends. All my friends now, really, even in Canberra, except one, really I've met them all through playing ukulele through the various mm. groups through, and, and there's a lot of them here and we've made such close relationships and, you know, even if I never played ukulele again, I know they would still be my friends and I think that's a really important thing. Well, it's given me it's just such a that wonderful community and some family and friends that are just amazing.
1: Mm, that's the magic of it. It is. For sure. Well, I sincerely hope this is not the last episode of <laughs> Ukulele is the New Blank.
0: Well, there will definitely be another one. Which um, is the compilation of all of the twenty twenty one shows. So that will oh, that'd be, be good. Out. The band always gets together to make some to record backing music for that, and we're not quite ready to be in the same room yet. So I don't know when that one's going to come out. Probably early in next year. So yes, don't mm. turn off yet. There will be that one definitely, but yes, hopefully.
1: <laughs> and then Rebecca Sugar at some Rebecca point.
0: Rebecca Sugar, <laughs> send it out to the universe. <laughs> Rebecca Sugar, I want you to on my on my podcast.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for being brave enough to uh, go on the other side of the mic. Oh,
0: thank you Not for doing some the same, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not a problem at all. <laughs>
0: Excellent. It's
1: been a joy.
0: Thank you. I wanted to play Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and I performed it with Janine Chandler, Jim Croft, Jasmine Fellows, Paul Marsh, Sandra Shaw and Chris Williams. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. Thank you so much to Cameron Murray for being part of this final episode. If you haven't heard Cameron's podcast, Ukulele Stories, now is the perfect time to subscribe so that you keep on getting your ukulele podcast fix. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's episode, there are links in the show notes. You can also go to the Ukulele is a New Black YouTube channel for a playlist with songs relating to today's episode. Well, listeners, this is the last interview I'll be posting on this feed for now, but please stay subscribed as I will be releasing a 2021 compilation episode in early 22, I hope. And who knows, I might get inspired and make the occasional new episode. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast with special thanks to my wonderful patrons. Stay safe and keep strumming. Because it's the new black. But this is just one of those songs which has a really satisfying um, chord progression in it, and it sounds it sounds like you're cleverer than you are when you play it.
1: <laughs> what, what is that chord progression, so people can crib oh. along?
0: Oh, actually, you're not in. It's an A. So we've got a A, an A add nine. Was it? No, I play an A sus four there. That's an A four. <laughs> And then there's a Gsus two, D. No, that's not right. Okay, let's not do that. Let's not do that.
1: No, that's all right. It's keypode. <laughs> Once a keypode goes on a ukulele, all <laughs> bits are off.
0: I know. That's right. Okay, I'm just gonna play it.